Heat Seeking Panther, Miles and Dave, talking about Nicholas Cage. Welcome back to Heat Seeking Panther. I am Dave. Miles is also here, and Emily is here again. Hello. 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 Okay. Is it recording? It's recording, yeah. Cool. <laughs> and today we're talking about a very special film, uh, 1994's Guarding Tess. Unseen by many, probably. Yeah. With uh, good reason. Yeah. Um, this, like right off the bat, this is the film that made me the angriest that we've watched. Well, oh, and it's yeah. funny because it was kind of like pace wise and tone wise the flattest. So flat but, is the word. But for some reason, it was so infuriating. Yeah. Well, you know, also, I have to say, well, first of all, I feel like it's the first straight cage role, really. Well, maybe not for you guys. Firebirds. Yeah, but Firebirds was like I keep I kept comparing this to Firebirds in my head because that's the past like low point for me. But in Firebirds, he's like super sleepy, and then he like blows up a couple times. And like you were saying when we did that episode, um, it it seems flat, but it's not. He's actually in character right. as this like weirdly like. But I think in this one, he was neither in character nor was he his energy. It was kind of like everyone in this movie was bored and yeah. they were both horribly miscast. I kind of feel like this is the first movie where I've been like, why the fuck did they cast him? That doesn't yeah. make why any cage? Why sense. Cage? Why ca- and also, I'm sorry, but why? What? What's her name? Shirley McLean. Why Shirley McLean too? And what a horrendous waste of Shirley McLean. No, yeah, yeah, seriously, no chemistry there at all. So, like, if you would cast two other people, like I don't even know. But there's plenty of actors who could have done that and made that movie very charming. Well, maybe not because it was well, written so badly. Yeah. But at least the characters could have been remotely charming or memorable in some way. Okay, so I got I got a little bit of insight <clears throat> from uh, the unauthorized biography of Nicolas Cage, The Man Behind Captain Corelli, by Ian Markham Smith and Liz Hodgson. <laughs> Um, we should just record you saying that as fast as you can one time, and then I can just you, drop the clip in every time that you're... <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. How, say, it, say it as fast as you possibly can. The unauthorized biography of Nicholas Cage, Man Behind, Captain Corelli, Ian Marco Smith, and Liz Hodgson. I'll uh, work with that. Okay. Um, I left out the bye, but... Uh, all right, so here... And all of this knowledge infuriated me more. Um <laughs> So it was that you were actually better off not knowing anything about it? Yeah, I guess so. Um, so a couple things. This is the second in uh, what Cage refers to as his Sunshine trilogy, the first being Honeymoon in Vegas and the third being uh, It Could Happen to You. Okay, uh, they, this was filmed in Baltimore, and um, seemingly propped up the uh, economy of Baltimore for a year. Um, like they like they refurbished that mansion and that theater where they go to the opera. Like those are historical landmarks that I imagine now have plaques of, like referring to guarding <laughs> tests and the people of Baltimore. Like you know, this uh, is the legacy. Yeah, this yeah. Film. yeah, and like cast. There were like radio contests to have people be extras and shit. Um, and, uh, you know, like really there's n- nothing interesting about, like it came in on budget on time and, um, they both, so after honeymoon in Vegas, which was also really not that good, but a big hit, um, Hollywood was like, 
oh, Nicolas Cage, we can do something with him. Like even like Shirley MacLaine says, like, uh, I saw, I saw that Vegas picture and I, I never expected that that cage could be good essentially. And she says, I thought he was a weird guy who ate spiders and belonged to a cult that even I had never heard of. I mean, <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> but, the, but I guess Hollywood was like, Oh, we can make money off of you. So like, we just have to give you straight man roles where you, instead of like being interesting, you just get frustrated and flustered. Cause, and that- here's the thing though, since Frankenstein, like there have been like, like morality tales about man trying to harness some kind of like out of control tapped in like beast and use, use, use it to their own advantage. Right. Play God. Yeah. And it always backfires in like the worst possible (laughs) way. Yeah. Um, So they should have known that they couldn't like keep cage under control and they can do what they wanted. Oh yeah. You can't uncage. You you can't can't cage cage the cage. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> it's like what what really pissed me off is just that um everyone involved with this movie thought they did really well and it made actually a lot of money and the critics all liked it. Who was the what? audience for this? Who went to go see this movie? Moms. Well, <clears throat> from the book again. After the first tests, the movie was carefully marketed with a trailer released for the Christmas 1993 season and scores of sneak previews before its March opening. Despite appalling weather, so many people flocked to see the movie that some had to be turned away. TriStar's senior vice president for publicity, Ed Russell, said, We felt we had a film that appealed to people across the country. We had more than 150 word-of-mouth screenings that we began about a month before the film opened. We really went after a more sophisticated, upscale audience, knowing that this would be the audience that would come out enjoying the film most. What we found was that those early screenings were turnaway audiences in really bad weather back east in February. So they aimed it at... Like wasps? Yeah, they aimed it at wasps (laughs) who were like, you want to... that People who can't tell the difference between like a good drama and a bad drama, which I feel like the nineties was just full of like middle brow, middle of the road, shitty like movies about two personalities or three personalities bouncing off of each other. Just that odd couple kind of fucking rip off bullshit and like to no uh, end. And also that's the thing. I know that that music was playing in the background. They were like, there's like a jam session or was it, like, was it a razor head playing? Oh, well, yeah, we, we watched it in, uh, at nonplus ultra in my house. Um, also we watched it with Shannon, oh, um, yeah. who was really like belligerent. <laughs> Every, everyone watching it was very belligerent. So it was hard to really keep a, a finger on the, but the, the tone. tone was so, I feel like, even Wait, how many people? That, how many other weird. people did you guys drag into watching? We didn't this? really drag. People just came. People and were like, "Oh, you're us. watching a movie," and oh, I was right. like, "Sorry, <laughs> this is homework." <laughs> people, dude, that would be such a bummer to like be very intoxicated and stumble into that situation yeah. and be like, "Oh, a movie with friends," and yeah. then sit down and be like, "What are you watching?" No. And a couple times, I had to be like, "Shh." <laughs> you know, but I didn't want to be because the, this movie, the only way you can enjoy it is by ripping it apart. I think that's okay. But it, it's so boring. It's like not bad enough to be fun and not good enough to be good. Well, and it's, it's so boring. You can't even focus on it anyway. Yeah. It, um, the, but, but yeah, the, the tone, the music seemed to telegraph a tone that like sometimes 
especially in the nineties, they have these orchestral scores that just like work way over time to like, be like, this is what you're feeling now. This is what you're supposed to be feeling. This is fun. This is not. And but this, this the music in this film never stopped. It never stopped Ugh. and it never worked. It never even like, like I never understood what they were trying to beat me over the head with. Well, yeah, are we like, supposed to be fun? sad? Are or we was happy? It sad? Like, and all the things that were supposed to be fun just didn't actually seem like they. Anyone yeah. was really having any fun. Yeah, like it just. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Like she. Okay. Who the fuck is she? They actually right, never well, tell us who she is. Well, okay, so we're li- supposed to just guess all of that. Yeah, a little synopsis of the movie. Um, Nicholas Cage is a Secret Service agent in the employ of the The former first lady, former first lady. Um, but did they like, did I miss that? Or did they make that clear? No, they never made that clear. They didn't until closer to the middle of the movie. Yeah. It took like, but the thing about it was, I was like, why are they not telling us who she is? Like, is this part of the plot? Like, why is this like some big surprise? But it's like, no, why didn't you just fucking say who she was? So I could stop thinking about that and wondering who the fuck this lady is and why she's so important. Why the president, why is the president so obsessed with keeping her her safe? They never explain that either. And he wants to be like, there's a part where he's like wistfully like watching the TV as like, there's like a terrorist attack or some shit being like, Oh, I wish I was there (laughs) in DC. Yeah. So he's basically relegated to just being like a babysitter. Yeah. Which I, I looked this up. Apparently this is real though. Yeah. I didn't. Well, and here's the thing that got me really like, wait, there's this, this job is real. Yeah. Yeah. Like see, uh, former presidents and first ladies are entitled to have secret lifetime secret service protection. protection. Yeah. So there are people out there like who are just like sitting around babysitting like Laura Bush. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. And it makes me realize, you know, we, for whatever reason, it's, oh, the life of a Secret Service agent must be, like, really high, like, high uh, energy and, like, really exciting, you know. Um, but actually, probably most of the Secret Service agents that are currently in commission are just working jobs like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, their day-to-day life is probably extremely boring and unrewarding. Even in <laughs> Washington, D.C., I think, like, it's, like, I don't think it's action-packed. I think think they're mostly just like sitting around like w- hoping like waiting for something that they don't want to have happen like yeah it doesn't i don't know and i'm sure there's like a whole there's definitely a whole macho thing about being somebody who gets to do something like that too it's like being a traffic cop or being like a cop in like a y- yeah you know? you're important yeah you're you have but i don't know i the, the whole the his i didn't care about like all these critical reviews that I was reading were all saying that like, you know, Oh, casting Nick cage as a role where he has to be really buttoned down and he's like seething mad is like really good, but it just, it's not good at all. It's not good. It's a waste. And you could have, if man, if you made Robin Williams, that role, (laughs) that would have been a great movie. You got a movie. (laughs) (laughs) They they really fucked up on that one. Yeah, Robin Williams and then uh, Tess would be like Betty White or something. 
I would watch. I'd that watch would that be movie. Like Twenty. I mean, it would still be fucking shitty and like emotionally manipulative, but but it would still be a better movie. Okay, so which brings me to my the ultimate question that I have about this movie: Was it a rom com? Did they Dude, bone? Did they bone? Because okay, the entire film, I was okay. I was honestly expecting there was eighty percent of me that was waiting for them to kiss at some point. Yeah. Well, but ah, but they still have like very little chemistry. But, but there's all this sh- like th- I, there's that like, scene where they get drunk together. Yeah, which is also really boring. Really boring for a scene of people getting drunk of, like, together. Of like letting loose. Like, why didn't they like they like talk about Nick Cage's they ex-wife? They talk about like sad stuff, <laughs> and then they don't even like do dance to a song or anything. No. But then the next day, he's like, "I'm in a really yeah, good he, mood." He like comes down the stairs like all chipper. Like he looks like so he, they did definitely bone. And then she's like all just dressed up, and she right, comes out. She's yeah. wearing that like red outfit. I feel like they bone, and like that's the boned. subtext. May December romance. Maybe that was a scene, but they just edited it out, like they had to do with Wild at Heart. Well, I kind of doubt that, though. No I, way. That movie is way too fucking boring for that. There's like, there's like a really graphic Zandali esque like sex scene, <laughs> like on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I want to shake you naked and eat you alive, Tess. <laughs> Are you ready to get sacrificed on the altar of the primal? <laughs> Um, well, and the thing is, too, everyone's like, she's so horrible. She's such a yeah, bitch. She, but she's, like, just grumpy. She's not. She's grumpy because her life is boring and she has to be babysat all the yeah. time. Yeah, and it's, like, why? And, like, it has this air of that everything is really high stakes, like something is going to happen. Also, she has an inoperable brain tumor, which you think uh, is also going to come into play at some point, but oh, it just never does. Here's a, another piece of insight. Um, uh, initially, the movie opened with uh, her funeral and Nick Cage's character remembering this. And this is all his memories. And she dies at the end. But they showed it to test audiences and they hated it. So they just took it out. That would at least make more sense. But they left in the brain tumor. Which oh so is that why the, that that's why the brain tumor and nobody ever talks about it again. It reminds me of the room where the mom is <laughs> like, I definitely have breast cancer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, but so she so she has a brain tumor and the the wacky stuff that she does that it's also they paint to be out of character for her. So it kind of defeats the whole like purpose of it. But she she makes them go with her when she golfs in very cold weather, which is very like has all this whimsical music, but yeah. it's also really, what really What could boring. be more boring? It's not, there's not even a good sight gag. Cause it's not even like snow or anything. It's just, they just, they just have coats on. Yeah. You're like, Oh, I guess <laughs> it's kind of cold, but and, and, that's okay. And then she, uh, like, that's so crazy. She does that, that crazy lady. Right. How dare she? And, and then she makes an escape with the chauffeur oh my God. for a, a little bit and then comes back. But I still don't the, understand why it's so like that's the thing. And the president, like that character who's supposed to be like, haha. I mean, I guess he's kind of the best character. Well the now pre- that I think of it. But, but also why does he why is he like so into that she had he's like, No, you can never let her like get away. Well, the president says she she's a natural she's a national protected. treasure. Yeah, but why? Foreshadowing. At, uh, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> National Treasure Three. Nick Cage steals Shirley MacLaine. 
but no, the president's like LBJ. And stealing we just, Tess. Stealing. <laughs> Still a better movie. That's what the, okay, that's what the fucking kidnappers. Guys, can we green light this? Please. Can someone get on this? <laughs> National Treasure 3, Stealing, stealing Tess. Tess. <laughs> just, there should just be like a Nick Cage universe, kind of like the Marvel universe where um, all the characters, yeah, yeah, and all the different cages all live in it. <laughs> <laughs> like all their like Ricks. Yeah, exactly. But now the president's like LBJ, and he calls. He's like, ah, well, like he, there's that scene where Nick Cage is pooping. The other best scene. Talking on the phone to the, the president. The only time we see what his life is like outside of that, yeah. like, is an outside shot of his house, and then like him pooping <laughs> and talking bathroom. to the president. But then you never see him in his house ever again. Thank, thank you, sir. That seems really long too. Yeah. Um, and then the only real plot point comes with about like. 20 minutes left to the movie. Yeah, and she gets kidnapped, and suddenly it's like 24 or something. Yeah, and you have these new characters, but there's no motive. They never explain. Yeah, the shitty chauffeur steals her when she's on a, a picnic. A picnic? What What was she do? She was eating dinner on a... Okay, that's another quirky manic pixie dream girl thing right. she was doing, is that she was eating, like, dinner on, like, a little table, like, in the middle of, like, a lagoon or something. Dave, Man, I sent you this clip. cold. But I swear to God, the only redeeming part of this movie was that shot, because it looked... And, Emily, I'll show you afterward, but it, it, it looked like, to me, it looked like a Bergman film. It, it, yeah, like, yeah. With, like, the vista of the lake. Yeah, it was good. And, then, the, cool. and then, like, from the, the panning shot yeah, from yeah. far away where he, like, walks really slowly toward her. But then the crazy chauffeur's brother and sister? He, or, like, sister-in-law or something? Yeah, or sister and brother-in-law steal her. And, but nobody and knows her, why. And, and bury her alive. Yeah. Okay. So that is weird. so such like an intense, like psychotic, like thing to have happen Wait in the last minute. twenty minutes with Wait no explanation. I literally don't remember this part of the movie you at do? all. Really? She, oh my god! They, they, take, they bury her alive. Yeah, she's all alive. I remember is she gets kidnapped, and then all of a sudden, like it's the end of the movie. I don't actually no, no, remember no. what happens. They, they take her to a farmhouse. They put her in a literal coffin with like an air tube going up into the the. Oh surface. wait, that's right. I remember the scene now of Nick Cage digging her up. Yeah, well, okay, the, the, uh, okay. There's a bunch of like professionals like digging her up, and he's like, "No, I'm the Secret Service agent. <laughs> we are gonna do it." I just wait, like, but then why do they bury her? Nobody knows. They never explain. Yeah, they it. they don't even explain why they kidnapped her or who they are, and it's so or what they want. Because that movie would have been so much better if that had been an actual plot point. It had started. Like in the first, like, you know, right. half hour of the movie, for God's sake. And then it would have been great. They should have kicked it off with her getting kidnapped. Right. And, yeah. and, and flashbacks. Right. Like and the rest guarding of the movie. Tess, and he could have been a hero. And he doesn't even fucking. Yeah. It would have been like 24. Yeah. yeah. It would have been great. There, there's that scene where he goes to <laughs> the hospital. That is such like an insulting cop out to just fucking pull that shit at the end. That really pissed me they off. They made the wrong movie. They did. They did. Cause it, it, and it's Nick Cage could have gone full cage if it was that movie. Remember when he shoots that guy's toes off? Yeah. yeah the chauffeur's toes off. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it, yeah. They One. <laughs> Two. Dude, the, okay, so the, remember in Vampire's In the middle of the hospital. When, yeah, I know. It's yeah, like no, one no one even walks in. No one comes to the room being like, we heard four gunshots. It's Baltimore. What the fuck is going on? 
Dude, so really this movie should have been a cross between 24 and The Wire. Okay, yes. But actually yes. it's but it actually they just made the wrong movie. Oh. Wait, what about Vampire's Kiss? Okay, so uh, yeah, thank you for reminding me. So Vampire's Kiss when he acts the alphabet. Well, in this movie yes. he actually acts like counting to five. <laughs> he acts the Oh yeah. The first five digits of What? <laughs> <laughs> like he can, he can act anything. Yeah, he, he and that that is really when he's at his cagiest. Yeah, when he finally gets to shine. Oh. Uh, if only they had introduced that earlier. It just was so frustrating because I wanted to know who the fuck those people were and why they did that. And I just feel I was like I'm actually angry about that. I was like, why would you do that? Remember, why the hell would you have something so deranged as burying <laughs> somebody alive in that fucking movie with no explanation? <laughs> Why did they choose that? That is so like gnarly. Oh yeah, and rem- and and then he, so then he saves her, and she's like, they're not gonna like let him on the helicopter or something, but she won't let him take off without it. And she's like, what took you so long? And uh, and oh yeah, because she left him a clue. Right, she burned the chauffeur with uh, the cigarette lighter in right. the car to, as. And, uh, and that's a huge gamble. Yeah. That he would figure that out and, yeah. and just all of a sudden know exactly what happened from the cigarette burn. Well, well spe- I mean, it seems like Does a big gamble. To, no, it's just in the car. Right. I know. But you still but have to push it. Yeah. I don't know. Like how- Which again, another plot point that would not, that would not happen if they made yeah. this movie nowadays. Oh, and, and then the very last scene, it's like. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Like she, she gambled on that because of their rapport and relationship and trust that they'd built up. But like when, you yeah. know, like, well, see, th- but that's something that was all it was implied. Just when they boned when they got. Oh uh, yeah. They could maybe the pillow talk. He was like, I'm never going to let you get kidnapped. See, I wish they would have had that whole part. And then it would have been a better movie. He, yeah. Th- okay. This movie could have mo- been like, here's the movie that it could have been. He has never met her before. He gets on, on the service and he wishes that he was in uh, Washington DC, like shooting terrorists, but he has to like change her diapers or whatever. And, and then <laughs> she's that old. <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> Look, don't, don't like kink shame him. <laughs> but, uh, And then he's like, oh, she's such a bitch. And then they get drunk. They have a crazy, like, you know, they're dancing. They're they're having fun. And she seduces him. And it gets really, like, sensual. Yeah, suddenly it's, like, nine and a half weeks. Yeah. And they they bone. And then the next day she gets fucking kidnapped. And he's got to go around shooting people's feet off until he finally saves her. And yeah. then you, I think their affair goes on for like a little bit longer in secret, though. Oh, okay. So yeah. like you really build up the like right the passion right and the the trust like that, you know. Because then he has to ask himself: Am I doing this for the job, or am I doing it now love. because I've fallen in love with right. her? Right. And but I feel it's like, like so taboo for him to be in love with her, and he doesn't want to like tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And everyone's like, "You're taking this yeah. too personal, man." And then he find he digs her up and out of the coffin. He's like, oh, she can't breathe. And he gives her CPR and then she can breathe and then they just start making out. Yeah. Wait, so why do they, so in this better movie, 
why did the chauffeur's oh. brother and sister? Well, here's the thing. No brother and sister. We get a scene oh, yeah. like the Buffalo Bill scene in Silence of the Lambs, but with the chauffeur, like oh, looking yeah. in the mirror and dancing. Would... And he wants to be Tess. He wants to take her and oh, take her yeah. skin. Yeah, there you and, go. And um, so he can be in a relationship with Doug, with <laughs> Nicolas Cage. So like he's dressing up in like a wig. Yeah. You know. In a Tess wig. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to pull. He's up. got some golf clubs and a little golf outfit. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like dancing around. <laughs> And he's like looking in the mirror. He's like, take me to the opera. Oh my God. He's just, okay. He just reenacts like a scene between like a personal scene between them that they had together. <laughs> and you find out that he was really watching them while they were like dancing Ooh. together. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's just, like really he's, chilling. He's been planning this forever and secretly he's been falling in love with Doug. Like, yeah. like yeah. via the surveillance. Yeah. Yeah. That's the movie. Yeah. That's the movie. That's the movie that should have been. What right. fucking critics watched that and were like not bothered by it? I'm so sorry. I know. But like, that was, it's like insane how like inept that fucking Did this movie do is. well at the box office? Yeah, it did. With it, all those like Midwestern moms or something. Yeah, he. Uh, it's like family movie for people who like don't even care about anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was a success. It made them money. Shirley MacLaine and Nicolas Cage were praised as being perfectly cast. And it's... Were they all watching a different movie? fucking lobotomized? I don't fucking get it. But yeah, no, it pisses me off. Like, I mean, I think Roger Ebert is overrated as a critic anyway, but like, come on. Too soon, man. Come on. (laughs) Look, I appreciate him as a cultural... He's. I mean, this is what he says... As the story unfolds, we begin to sense a deep current of feeling between Tess and Agent Chesnick. Nope. It isn't love, God forbid, but a certain respect. God forbid? Why? For a, t- for a tough opponent. Why is everybody trying to fucking kink shame him? <laughs> <laughs> also, it is clearly love. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It should be. I mean, it can, it can be love. That? It doesn't even have to be sexual, Roger. And even... <laughs> But a certain respect for a tough opponent and even some grudging affection. McLean and Cage are really very good. Cage, who can cheerfully go over the top, see Wild at Heart and Honeymoon in Vegas, is restrained here, yet very likable. We feel for this man who has no life of his own except to guard a woman who has no life of her own. But I did not. I felt nothing. (laughs) I felt anger. And boredom. Yeah, so much of that. I felt like she should have been kidnapped and put through a greater ordeal. I wished pain. I wished, <laughs> I, I felt misanthropic. I wish she was more of a bitch and more wacky. Yeah. And I wish he was more wacky. I wish everyone was more wacky. Everyone should have been like that fucking chauffeur guy, man. Yeah, wackier and violent. I mean, that's probably my... that's <laughs> Wacky violence. More wacky violence. It's my default anyway, but <laughs> this movie could have used it. So do we have like more movies... What? Yeah, sure. Um, it could happen to you. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, it it could happen to you, and then Trapped in Paradise, oh. and then Kiss of Death. So there's three more like wild cards that are gonna suck. I'm like, gonna I'm, I'm kind of looking bit. forward to ki- like Kiss of Death, to be honest. Me too, because I don't know anything about it except that's a cool that title. Samuel L. Jackson is back in it. What? Fuck yeah. Yeah, and um, and this is like after Sam Jack hit his stride. Yeah, too. this is post Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Um, but that's still like two or three movies. Yeah, we, we got another entry in the Sunshine Trilogy. and uh, But before we go. Road Journal. Yeah. 
Should, should we check in with uh, Nick Cage on the road? Yeah. You guys, there's got to be like a theme song for this Nick Cage on the road. Like just a little, you should just like, just like a little do, 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 like a little jingle right before you read it. I did. No, I mean, <laughs> I was saying you should like make one on a one keyboard. On the road. So, where where we last left Nick Cage, I'll try and do a, a Nick Cage voice this time. Where we last left Nick Cage, uh, he. And his friend had been in Cabazon um, for so many hours. for sure a long time talking with Seriously, that. Seriously, they were just in Cabazon for like ten days. <laughs> going, they didn't go anywhere. Going out to see America. My theory being that they went to Cabazon, they did a bunch of peyote, and then the rest of the road trip was just like a shared hallucination, <laughs> just, just tripping in front of the dinosaurs. <laughs> they didn't actually leave Cabazon. <laughs> All right, on the road with Nicolas Cage, Route 66, Kingman, Arizona. Of course, they took Route 66. Kingman, Arizona, 4.30 p.m. Nothing seems to be as important here as it did at home. The road combs your hair. It cleans your room. It dusts your cobwebs. (laughs) I'll dust your cobwebs. The road combs your hair. (laughs) That's going to be... That's the chorus of the of the. Uh, that's the chorus of the of the tour diary theme song. Yeah, yeah. Seems like civilization out here is dying. The only things connecting these small, poor towns are decrepit shacks and gas stations, markets and coffee shops boarded up and left to rot. There's a kind of aesthetic duality to these towns. They are beautifully lonely. I find the vastness of this state exhilarating. The gridlock clutches of Los Angeles are becoming weaker. The tires against the road are sounding like unsyncopated music. The one constant is that yellow line. I'm melting and I want to reform. I want to meet someone new. On the road with Nicolas Cage, Route 66, Kingman, Arizona, 6 p.m. So so unnecessary. (laughs) Just keep writing. Um, The pastel exterior of the Kingman Club, painted with Mexican senoritos. Excuse me? Sen- with Mexican, does he mean senoritas? Senoritos. <laughs> with Mexican senoritos. Is that what he thinks that man in Spanish is? Senorito? Senorito. <laughs> Hola, senorito. <laughs> A million. Donde esta cabazón? <laughs> Uh, with Mexican senritos and saguaro cactuses invited us in. I made a beeline for the John, and not without spotting a tough-looking guy with a blue bandana on his head and a mustache like John Voight's in Runaway Train. When I came back, Jeff was looking edgy. He has a nose for trouble. I could tell he wanted to leave, but I ordered two bourbons. The tough-looking guy kept staring. I stared back and said, hi. He didn't answer. I took another swig from the bourbon. When he... When I heard, you look like that guy in Raising Arizona. I didn't want to lie to those eyes that looked like black steel. I am him. I overheard the bartender mutter, bullshit. I held out my hand to black eyes and introduced myself. He refused to tell me his name. Maybe he was running from something. (laughs) 
What happened to the baby? What was his name? Nathan, Arizona. Yeah, what happened to Nathan, he asked. After kidnapping him, I gave him back. Then you married the cop? Yeah, Holly Hunter. Why'd you marry a cop? I hate cops. Cops are assholes. I didn't really marry a cop. It was a movie, you know, make-believe. Wait, hold on. Dude, he's explaining to someone in a bar that movies aren't real. (laughs) You you ever been to Kingman? (laughs) The people there are, you know, very subpar intelligent. I I saw you on... simple town. I saw you in the magic box. That's why so many people liked guarding tests. (laughs) No, guarding tests was for the sophisticated audience. (laughs) If you all remember, he finished his beer. You ever have a beating? What do you mean, I asked. I've had two beatings by a cop. Almost beat me to death. I got a cracked jawbone. Do you know what that feels like? I didn't like the sound of that question, so I remained silent. Hey, I don't care if you're a movie star. I dig ditches. Been shoveling shit for 20 years, and I'm proud. Why are you talking to me anyway? I'm a Mexican. So? I went to Vietnam. I killed babies. Women, too. They had grenades in their hands. Does that make me a murderer? Two of my best friends threw themselves on a bomb to protect the rest of the platoon. You're going to tell me they're not heroes? The desert stormers wouldn't last shit in the jungle. In the desert, you can see. But in the jungle, you are blind. Okay, did this really happen? I, I swear to God, him. he watched like Apocalypse Now and Easy Rider and then just like smoked weed and wrote this. There's that other old last story about the guy who shot, shot the, arrows in his butt. Yeah. Black Eyes was getting a little hot. I heard what he was saying, but I couldn't get Sarge out of my head, and I didn't want to rile his temper. I didn't get shit when I came back. They spit on me, and these boys are getting free beer. I offered to buy him a drink, but when they came, he wouldn't let me pay. I got a four-year-old son. He laughs a lot when he's seen your movie. I'm glad. We sat quietly for a moment. I liked him, and I wanted him to like me. Most people probably thought he was a deadbeat or a maniac. Maybe he was, but he had soul. What would you do if I blew you away, he asked. Why'd you want to do that? He laughed a long time, then drained his glass. You're all right, he said. (laughs) On the... (laughs) A story that... Definitely happened. Most definitely, yes. On the road with Nicolas Cage, Route 66, Seligman, Arizona, 1.11 p.m. So is this the next day? Yes. It is an odd sight, snow coming down in the desert, but it's a welcome change. That guy at the Kingman Club affected me. I suppose America is conservative and paramilitary, but what about all these other people who want an alternative? People have always needed heroes, even if they come in guise of Rambo or Clint Eastwood. But can American youth rip off the mask of invincibility and see the vulnerability underneath? Can we have infected heroes, infected with faults and problems like our own? The Beatles revolutionized rock and roll with songs like I'm a Loser, What Balls? Is there a rock group today that would sing about themselves as fuck-ups? Bro, it's 1994. <laughs> Every single band on the radio was singing about themselves that's, as fuck up. That's all they're singing about. I wonder if there's a hole in the soul of my generation. We've inherited the American dream, but where do we take it? It's not about cars and wealth. It is always 
been about freedom, but are we free in our thoughts or are we paralyzed by our dreams of consumption? The countless arteries are coagulating into muteness and we have to inject them with the thinner to get thoughts spurting again. <laughs> it's not about cars and wealth. Doesn't he just take every single fucking job that he gets? And I bet he has like 500 cars. He, he owns cars. so many cars yeah. and houses. <laughs> no, but don't you guys understand what happened? This is real unfiltered Nicolas Cage. And in the ensuing years, he got bogged down by the myth of the American dream. But this right here is the real Nick Cage. This is him. In real unfiltered America. Transvestites are perhaps the only true freedom fighters left. They are fighting for the right to be different. We must hold hands across America for them. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Does he mean literally? Things are starting to get scary. What does he? <laughs> what does he mean by transvestites? Does he mean just mean drag queens, I, or does he mean like transsexual people? I don't think he I, knows what I, he I means. I don't think I don't think those. Tra- yeah, you know. <laughs> Things are starting to get scary. We're caught in the heart of a springtime blizzard. We're driving slower now, about forty. I think Jeff should be doing twenty-five. Everything is turning white. We're gonna have to park it. Okay. This, Black Cat Bar. There's a, just a setting name here. Older types getting drunk. Jeff walks over to the jukebox to check out the songs. He comes back with big, round eyes. Go look at the bulletin board. I shuffle over to read this. Warning. A form of tattoo called Blue Star is being sold to children. It's a small sheet of white paper containing a blue star the size of a pencil eraser. Each star is soaked with LSD. There are also brightly colored tabs resembling stamps that have pictures of Superman, clowns, Mickey Mouse, and other Disney characters. This is the new way of selling acid to children. A young child can happen upon these and have a fatal trip. What? <laughs> what? I, believe, I believe he saw that in a bar. Yeah. I love the I, I love the fallacy of drug dealers going out buying LSD and then just wasting it on wasting children. Wasting it on children who don't want it. Yeah, why would why would you ever do that? It, There's so especially with that drug, like you would just get fucking murdered by your sources if you did shit like that because you're not giving them money. And yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you would just like it betrays, the mafia would just fucking kill you. It betrays <laughs> such a misunderstanding of what well, no, listen, I don't have the money because I'm trying to get children hooked on it. <laughs> to get hooked on LSD. So I'm just giving it to them. Yeah, like a child who has an, a, a trip that they are unprepared for. That A child that hallucinates is going to be like, yes, more of that, please. Yeah, and how old are these children? Kids who have uh, temporary tattoos. <laughs> so like, what, like, like seven, seven. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just some creepy man being like, here, have a star. Also, think back to when you were a child. Would you ever have just, like, taken... Would you ever have just taken, like, something that a man had given you and, like, put just it put in your, your mouth? body or in your yeah. mouth, yeah. Uh, also, I was can we Google better. that after this? Yes. I'm like, I really want to know if that's ever happened before. <laughs> or, like, if there are even news reports about that, because that is so fucking silly. All right, here's... Uh, uh, I'll read one more. On the road with Nicolas Cage, Route 40, somewhere, Arizona, 6 p.m. Conditions have gotten worse. Jeff is driving about 10 miles per hour, and we can't see in front of us. We're 54 miles from the nearest town. Jeff is saying we're going to die. 
if we have if we have to pull over and wait all night, the car could get covered with snow. We could run out of gas and won't be able to turn out on the heater. We'd freeze. I turn on Rick James's 17 to make light the situation. <laughs> Loves Rick James. Uh, Camp Verde, Arizona, 6 p.m. We made it out of the ice. Looks like Rick brought us good luck. We tried checking into the Your Inspection Invited Motel, but the rooms are too cold, so we stop in a local bar called Bowlers, where I meet a 250-pound Navajo Indian. Hey, do you know what a Fuckarwi tribe is, he asks. Can't say that I do. When the Indians first came here, they said, Where the fuck are we? This is a joke, guys. I, I try to imagine... I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. I tried to... Well, it's because you're not Native American. Can you American. explain it, Dave? Okay. <laughs> so the Indian asks, do you know what a fuck are we tribe is? Fuck are we being the name of the tribe. And then the Indians came here and they said, where the fuck are we? Oh. No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Where where are they? Where are the tribe? Weren't they already there? Is that? Yeah, the Europeans should be saying where, where the, the fuck, fuck are, are we? we? Yeah, I think he messed up that joke. I think so too. I, maybe Nick Cage messed up the joke. I don't know. Well, seeing as he's probably just making this incident up, <laughs> I don't know why he couldn't just get it right. It's like this is a good joke. <laughs> I try to imagine living in this small town and can't. I've not integrated myself one hundred percent into the environment. But then, I never do. Sometimes I get wary of letting people know too much about me too soon. I tend to be more reserved while traveling. If I went off the wall in this town, I don't think it would be received well, especially since we've been drinking. I know drinking is out of style, but I have learned that when I do drink, just saying to myself, I am sleek and self-contained, spares many problems. If you can function like a tiger on a hunt while indulging, you deserve the utmost respect. I can't stand a sloppy drunk. Next time, Socorro, New Mexico. Oh, bravo. How far do they go? Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the plan was to go all the way to the other coast. We'll have to find out. Oh, boy. Um, all right. Well, on that note... I am, a, I am sleek and self-contained. I function like a tiger on the hunt. And I don't have anything else to say about this stupid movie. In the desert you can see, but in the jungle you are blind. In the desert you can see, but in the jungle you are blind. With any luck, That's I'll okay. forget that this exists <laughs> and it won't occupy any more brain space. Don't do that. You might end up watching it again.